and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on what is now our 50th episode. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Yeah, we're halfway to 100. And uh, as always, you're joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. And today we also have a very special guest on the show, good friend, Alan Mayo. So you guys may have known Alan because uh, he was actually our very first guest ever to be interviewed on the show back episode seven, back uh, very beginning of this year in January. And we also did a comp prep roundtable with him, which was episode 30. But uh, thank you so much, Alan, for joining us today on episode number 50. Well, thank you so much, guys. And uh, I'm so privileged to be on here. And um, just a huge congratulations to you guys as well on all your achievements. And, you know, obviously the podcast is, you know, 50th episode and it speaks a lot about all the work that you guys do and, you know, everyone's enjoying it and the podcast is growing and you guys are putting out so much valuable information out there. So, yeah, keep doing your thing. I'm super proud of you guys. And I'm just so privileged to be, um, to be a part of this. And, yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you so much again for coming on and for the kind words. Yeah, I think... Getting you on for number seven really got us going with that and uh, with the other guest interviews as well. And that's why we brought you back for the third time now. So that says something as well. <laughs> How was he? Didn't, didn't disappoint you guys or drop no, the, no, the, the complete opposite. or something? <laughs> complete opposite. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, last time, Alan, that you joined us on the show, episode 30, we spoke about, you know, you were pretty much in the middle of comp prep. So that was about back in August now. So tell us, you know, now it's just the beginning of November. What's happened for you between August and November? Yeah, so I think it was uh, in August when we recorded the last one. I think I was pretty much coming towards the back end of my prep for season B. Um, So I had my first show in uh, the end of September. So I would have been like eight, nine weeks or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But um, yeah, so it's been a pretty crazy five to six weeks the last, um, uh, sorry, last five, five to six weeks competing. So I've done five shows in total. So three ICN shows, two IBB shows in between. Um, yeah, it's just been a pretty crazy month or so. And obviously between myself competing and the clients competing and obviously the usual work stuff as well. Um, and now it's all finished. Um, yeah, I'm super happy with how everything went as far as my, myself competitive wise and, uh, especially, you know, all my clients with their results and how everything came together as well. Yeah. So Alan, we know that you're probably the most modest human being walking this planet, (laughs) but you know, just for the sake of the listeners, please let everyone know what were your achievements this past season and clients as well and clients of course as well. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I hate talking about myself, but, um, anyway, so (laughs) I, uh, yeah, so I, I, I kicked off the season with, uh, the ICN, uh, Western Australia state show. So I managed to won the, um, state, Overall, so bodybuilding overall in ICNWA. And then the following week, I actually went to Queensland and I did the uh, IBB Classic Physique. Uh, so I gave it a crack and managed to actually walk away with first place in uh, first summer and second place in novice in Classic Physique, which is pretty cool. 
Um, and then the third show was the ICN Nationals. That was uh, that's one of the men's shows that I was aiming for. And yeah, I'm pretty uh, lucky, I guess pretty fortunate to uh, place first place in the uh, men's open class two and won my pro car. Um, so that was exciting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was really cool. And um, then I went on to IBB Nationals. Uh, unfortunately, no placings there, but I got a first co-op in uh, open and novice category, which is pretty cool. I think um, I had a look at a score sheet. I think I was fourth in the novice and then I think sixth in the open class, which is obviously, you know, I was stoked. You know, yeah, yeah that is still, yeah, yeah, that's still an so, amazing achievement, especially considering yeah. you are competing yourself as a natural athlete, yeah, enhanced so, athletes. So that was pretty cool. Um, but, um, and then I finished my season at the ICN World Championship and did my first pro show there and managed to place fifth in a, obviously, pretty probably one of the most competitive runner I've been in. Um, as all the guys in there would, you know, all. Mr. Australia or multiple uh, Australian title holders. Um, so I managed to play flip and I think it was 10 of us or something. So um, that was really cool. So now we can half post comp. Yeah. And um, getting ready to pretty much move into my improvement season. And I planning on competing again next year as a pro. So it'll be interesting. And as far as clients wise, um, so I had three guys competing in season B. Um, so Mitch, um, he placed um, second place in his weight class at the ICN Crimson State title and novice class, he got second place as well. And I think open class, he got second place as well. And um, Charlie, um, he got, oh, sorry, Mitch also got second place in novice class at the uh, ICN Nationals as well, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and also Charlie, he won his uh, weight class and open class at the Crimson State title. Uh, and then he came second place in the Classic Physique and Nationals. And he came second place at the World Championship in weight class, second place in his open class, just so just fell short of the pro car. Um, and he also won his Classic Physique open class, uh, but fell short of the overall title. Um, so pretty impact, uh, pretty successful season for him. Mm-hmm. Now, last is Sean. Uh, he won the uh, novice and first first timer in men's physique at the state title. Came second open class to the overall winner at, at nationals. He won his open class in men's physique and also managed to guys pro car as a first time competitor. So that was really cool. So everyone's pretty much. All finish uh, the season with the podium finished, and I think most importantly, they all look pretty damn amazing. And I guess you know, goes without saying, like you know, the journey and everything that we shared together was uh, really cool. Yeah, so that's uh, the the results for season B. So pretty successful for myself and the team, and um, yeah, very very happy. So now kind of start back back into it. Uh, we kind of putting together the team for next year as well so which would be super exciting because the world uh, the icn world championship is in vegas so that'd be cool yeah such outstanding results from all of you guys like incredible teamwork there yeah we, uh, i was gonna say as well that i saw sean's transformation that you posted today and like that's incredible for 16 weeks like 
Yeah, if you yeah. if it wasn't coming from you, I wouldn't believe that that would be possible. Yeah, so um, it is really, really cool, and I, yeah, I'm just so I I don't know if anyone's managed to uh, or got a chance to watch it. So um, the, with the guys here, Perth Fit Band, they did like a little documentary video of uh, Sean and myself. I guess a bit of a comp day journey and things like that, and. Um, yeah, so Sean had a pretty cool story with, you know, he, some tough stuff he was going through with his mom passing away like 18 months ago and things like that. So he was in a pretty dark place and got pretty out of shape and from, I guess, you can imagine where his mental space was and uh, and also the physical shape. And yeah, it was, when he first came to me, I was like a little bit hesitant because I usually, first time competitor, I would prefer a little bit longer time to work with. Uh, but we gave it a shot anyway, so I I was very clear with him right from the start, like everything needs to be 100%, and just, you know, letting you know it may not be the most optimal approach, but we got to get it done, And but turned out to be, you know, we achieved more than what we expected, and then it was awesome, you know, I'm super happy for him, um, and, and obviously, you know, he's got great genetics, so that goes without saying, and also, obviously, he's been in shape before, so, mm. you know, that's what, made the i guess the the recomposition pro, uh, process possible um so i guess that's important point to make as well yeah and alan something that i'm super interested in and i'm sure a lot of the listeners are as well is what your experience was you know competing as a natural athlete in the ifbb you know federation because mm. uh you know that is something that a lot of people wouldn't do. <laughs> so you know, what was it like being there, and what was the atmosphere like between IFBB and the other shows that you attended? Yeah, so I will just purely I'll just speak on my personal experience, and this is just from my personal experience. Everyone obviously is gonna have different. Now, as far as the, like, I, I guess start with the reason as to why I did it because the. I guess, you know, in ICN and stuff, you know, we never get a chance, uh, opportunity to do a posing r- routine. Um, so that's something that I'm really passionate about, obviously posing side of things. And I thought it would be a really cool opportunity to put together a posing routine and to showcase that. Now, the reason I also did it is because of the classic physique. Uh, that's kind of the look that I like. Uh, I guess it suits my physique as well. And because there is a weight restriction, so I guess... Um, I wouldn't be outsized too much uh, compared to if I was to do like a weight class, weight category. But, you know, you can still see there was a massive gap as far as the pop and the thickness and even like some of the conditioning sort of things. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess because classic music, they do look at shape and symmetry and stuff. So that is one of the reasons I'm like, okay, oh, well, maybe I could – be somewhat competitive in that uh but at a national level it was definitely like you can definitely see there was a massive gap like even though you know guys at like similar height at a much lower weight but they're just a complete different look to their physique uh which is you know obviously that's you know the, the part of it that's the nature of you know being in that particular um uh, with that particular federation obviously being untested and stuff uh now as far as like the environment and everything um I guess the show, I will say, from my personal experience, and this is like, you know, um, just purely based on the comparison to IC and stuff, I will say for me, it, you know, I definitely didn't get as much stage time or being compared as much. 
but I guess because they had to run everything through rather quickly and they, they probably pick out the the, um, um, the placings pretty quick at the prejudging. So I definitely feel like I didn't get as much stage time and at the ICN. And I guess the other thing is, I suppose, the um, the environment, I definitely um, had more fun at the ICN shows. That's probably more so to do with the fact that obviously I have, you know, my friends and group of guys that we're competing with. And then, you know, obviously, for example, you guys with us at the ICN Nationals, which is like, you know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, is the most fun I had, you know, just being able to share and network with different people uh, at the ICN. That was really fun for me, whereas I didn't really get that at the IBB um, comps. But, you know, I guess um, everyone's different, but that's my personal experience, yeah. Yeah, like it, I think it is valuable to hear your feedback because, yeah, we haven't competed in, we've only competed in ICN, of course. So, mm. and I think different federations do have different atmospheres. But, like you said as well, the main aspect that we can agree with is that, like having a community with you or experiencing it with other people, like minded people, makes probably the biggest difference of all. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it is so important and makes so much fun. Like, you know, like just even at the nationals, you know, like having you guys backstage with us, or you know, chatting, having fun, taking photos, posting all this sort of stuff, and even with other competitors and other competitors, coaches, you know, it's everyone's networking, helping each other out, and I think that's the biggest reason as to why I stick to ICN. And even I, I, I guess for me, it's also part that you know I have such a good relationship with the guys at ICN WA here, and the support they've shown athletes and everything. I can just see the work they've put in there. Uh, it's it's really really cool to see people uh, in, in in the ICM Federation generally, you know, giving it back to the to the athletes and giving back to the community and everything. Like, just makes it really really fun. It's a really cool environment to be in, uh, and that's why I stick to ICM. Yeah. Mm. So uh, before we move on to the next segment of the episode, we just wanted to ask. Uh, what were the major differences between this year's prep and previous preps you've done, whether it's like the loading strategy, the amount of time you mm. gave yourself, starting point, ending point, whatever, like just maybe a couple of points? Yeah. I will say um, the biggest difference for me, and now looking back, and now I can actually, you know, obviously reevaluate everything now it's all done. Um, I found the biggest difference for me, it's definitely the, I guess, my psychology, my mental aspect and how I approach prep and what I mean by that is is I guess each prep I always walk away with um, different uh, perspective on you know just how far I can push myself and just how um, you know going through the like challenges and things like that and you know as you know towards the back end of prep you know you low on energy you're hungry and all the rest of it and then how do you keep up your training intensity um, how to you know I just found each prep, I was able to just push myself a little bit further based on the previous experience I have. And I guess I'm lucky in that coaching athletes also give me a perspective of like, oh, I can, you know, use that as a, you can say, motivation, if you will, just to put my, push myself even further. And I will say, actually, this prep, um, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned that in the last episode as well, I, I obviously going through some personal stuff at a time and, you know, and and with work and previously and stuff like that, I was definitely behind the schedule as what I should should have been or what I would have preferred to be. Um, but I guess because I also had a pretty 
lengthy season from first to last show. That's roughly six weeks, right? So I guess that kind of allowed me to not burnt out. Um, whereas compared to 2017, I felt like I looked my best from the first at the first show. But then pretty much from that point onwards, I was just kind of dragging on. And then also because I wasn't mentally ready to take on the challenge and then back-to-back shows and things like that in 2017. So I probably a little bit burnt out towards the end and definitely had an impact on my physique. And another thing, I, like I said, the psychology side of things, I put a huge emphasis on, uh, I guess, managing stress, managing sleep, and just making sure I'm in a good mental space. I really think that makes a huge difference, like how, you know, psychology can definitely impact your physiology, especially um, at the back end of prep, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And I think because we've mentioned in previous episodes that Tierra and I came down with you guys to Sydney and just seeing you manage everyone combined with your own prep. And I think you really do have to experience prep itself to sort of realize how sort of it consumes everything and it consumes your focus and it's actually can be hard, but rewarding to sort of out distance yourself from it a little bit and um, look at it from like a third person perspective, maybe. Yeah, hundred percent. And I guess, you know, for you guys, take, uh, take you guys, for example, like, you know, for, Tierra, she's what, 16 weeks out from the first time of the season. I'm sure you will be, you know, drawing a lot of, I guess, motivation or even like perspective from like your last prep and also seeing Jack on through his prep and also your clients in the last couple of seasons and everything that you learn in between as well. You're able to use those things. Like it, it may not necessarily change what you do, um, but it, it will definitely allow you to, I guess, just you know, going through those challenging or tough times, you can actually just push, push yourself a little bit further or just, re, I guess, reconfirm, like, you know, everything that you're doing is, you know, exactly how it should be and things like that. So, and make more, you know, better calculated decisions and less stress about, like, you know, a certain point of prayer. Oh, it's okay. You know, this is expected. I can just continue on and you will get the response that you want and things like that. So, yeah, then, I um, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's a yeah. constant learning experience. And I, I don't think any of us, you know, obviously, I'm young, Alan, and you've been in the game much longer than we have, you know, and there's people that have been in the game much longer than you have. But, you know, I think everyone, um, hopefully is still open to the idea that, you know, you do learn things about yourself, every single prep and every single week of prep, you know, and then yeah, you definitely can apply those things to future seasons so that you do better your physique, but also you just make it a much more enjoyable process for sure. Now, I will say that um, even though you guys are young, you're not being in the new, but I can 100% say that you guys, the knowledge that you guys have and also how you approach everything, it's already years ahead of a lot of people that's been in the game for longer. And then I think the biggest difference is because you guys are willing and open to learning and to new ideas and also put together with your own uh, understanding of like physiology, psychology and everything that goes to prep. Uh, whereas I guess in this fitness space or the competitive scene, sometimes people can be a little bit closed minded. Uh, I've, 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 you know, I'm definitely guilty of that in the past, you know what I mean? Uh, and not willing to open to, I guess, you know, new information available or even just people with, with different opinions and ideas and things like that, you know. Um, but you guys, you know, is, is already way ahead of other people. And I think that speaks a lot about, you know, obviously what you do and things like that. And it's only going to get better from here. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for saying that. Mm-hmm. But I guess moving forward in the episode, 
what another topic we wanted to discuss in depth is also the post-comp experience and mm. how we approach that and our views on it. So let's just start off with something quite broad in terms of what is the post-comp period and what is the um, main goals to accomplish? Yeah, I think um, it's such an important topic and then I honestly don't think people talk about it enough or, or a lot of people don't talk about it or they only talk about like the good side of competing or post-comp or whatever, right? Because I guess I like to look at it as like, let's take a step back and look at the whole comp prep process itself. It's like, I think we can all agree, you know, getting to that stage ready physique and, you know, having that extremely low level of body fat, depending on the categories that you're in. I think we can all agree it's not the healthiest or preferable state for our body to be in because at the end of the day, our body doesn't really care that we're trying to get out of the stage where bikini or posing trunk and carving the spray tent, right? All he cares about when we have a stage ready physique, when you have a, you know, when you're in condition, it's actually trying, like our body's probably actually trying to be like, holy shit, there's no body fat left, there's no spare energy available, we need to fix this ASAP. Like, it's what I mean like, by that? It's like it's, screaming for survival. <laughs> exactly right. And then that explains why you feel hungry and then why you have no energy, you know, because obviously, you know, everything, you know, you, as far as physiologically speaking, you know, everything upregulates and downregulates. Um, that's also why you had to make all those adjustments in the process to get leaner and leaner and leaner. And it gets harder over time because your body is constantly adapting um, to prevent you from further losing uh, body fat, right? So that's the number one thing. Now, going from there and Obviously, having the goal of competing, that particular goal, it's what's driving you to, I guess, not going off your meal plan, not going off your calorie intake, and not going off your macros, um, and also, you know, stick to your training program, push the intensity so you can keep the muscle, uh, and also, I guess, manage your activity, or if you, you know, doing any uh, cardio, vascular training, things like that. Having the goal of competing and getting, getting on stage in a reasonable shape, it's what's, I guess, keeping you going, doing all those things, right? Now, imagine that's done now, but you're physically, you're still in the same state, but now you don't have a goal there to pretty much keep you accountable on doing all those things. And it's so easy to, well, which is, you know, why we see people go through this binge eating behavior, binge and restrict or the post-comp binges and things like that. Um, And because, you know, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. And then, Towards the end of prep, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this if you have competed before or even just done a diet phase is that you started looking at food, uh, you know, food photos or otherwise known as food porn. You start scrolling through Instagram, looking at all the cookies, pizzas, and all these <laughs> things that you have, uh, you haven't eaten for months on end, right? And you start looking at all those things, you know, ice cream, chocolates, donuts, you know. And at the comp, I'm sure you always see people bring, you know, friends and family, bring a box of donuts, uh, cookies and things like that, uh, pizzas or whatever, right? And then post-come dinner and, you know. But I guess you kind of been hit on both both sides, physiological and psychological, right? Because you, psychological, you don't have to go now uh, to stop you from, you know, keep yourself accountable. And then physiologically speaking, like what we just talked about, uh, it's literally your body is signaling. It's like, oh, there's food coming in more, more, more. That's why sometimes you can eat like 
two, three, you know, a box of donuts and still not feel full, even though your stomach is like out here, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. And then that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon to see people put on 10 kilos in a week, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Obviously, a lot of glycogen and fluid and all the rest of it. Um, but that's super uncommon, right? And then it's really hard to, I guess, then the, then the hardest part is to then look at yourself a week later, looking like this, and then reminiscing the photo or last week when you were on stage. Then you feel so, I guess, you don't feel good about yourself. You look at yourself in the middle or jump on a scale or, or whatever. Then you try to pull yourself back. And what we see a lot is people then try to jump back on a pre-contest diet, but that usually won't last by lunchtime. And then you, that's when you kind of go through this binge and rishi cycle until, I guess, at certain points, once your body sort of returns to that comfortable set point, everything upregulates, which takes time. Um, then that's when you kind of, I guess, settle to normal. But by now, you already accumulate so much body fat. Uh, and, and I think you'd be surprised just how quickly your body can change. And then they, that explains it, right? Because our body doesn't want to stay in that sub, you know, 5% body fat or whatever you used to measure. It wants to get you back up to your comfortable set point to have more spare energy available. Like you said, it's for survival, right? Uh, because our body doesn't care about the stage. Or who cares about keeping you alive? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that's why this post-com phase is, I will say, more challenging than the actual prep itself. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because, like you said, you sort of get hit with the psychological and physiological factors as opposed to, I guess, in the prep itself, like something that I've experienced with various competitors, like let's say the first half of it is it's less tough physiologically, but then as it gets tougher physiologically, they get more psychological motivation from, I don't know, social media or the thoughts Mm. of competing soon. And that's when it actually gets psychologically easier for a lot of people. But then as soon as that finishes, they get hit again by the thought of not having a acute goal or a yeah, short-term goal. Mm. And um, I think it's really important for people to understand that this is something, it's normal and a lot of people do go through, like it does happen to a lot of people and it's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. Mm. So it, it is quite normal after competition to feel out of control with your eating. And uh, yeah, there. I don't think that there should be, you know, guilt involved, you know, and people feeling really ashamed of what they're doing. And I think it, it is important to speak about it because then more people will speak up and more people who are all struggling together, but in silence, you know, can start to speak up and help one another because uh, it's probably a hell of a lot more common than a lot of people think. And it it's mentally one of the most challenging things to break through that binge and restrict cycle, especially because the people around you have seen you going through this comp, right? And you've been so diligent with your plan and you've been, you have been restrictive, right? And you've been hitting everything to a T and then, you know, it's over and you feel ashamed because people around you see that, oh no, she doesn't have any self-control anymore. Goals don't matter to her anymore kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I just want to say, speak up about it if you are struggling. Yeah, that's why, you know, like by us having these conversations, hopefully people can listen to it and, you know, if they're struggling, can reach out. And then, like you said, the most important part is 
don't feel guilty. Uh, it's not bad because at the end of the day, it's just eating food, right? At the end of the day, that's the bottom line. what it is. Like obviously, you know, it's not the most optimum way of doing it. Uh, and but it's all an experience, right? So you can learn. But the last thing that you want to do is to attach, I guess, any sort of negative connotation to it because then what happens then is then you're gonna have feel so bad about it, and it's just gonna. That's actually what's going to make the process worse because you're gonna go through this cycle again and again and again. So the first thing to break through is understand that it's it, it's okay. A lot of people go through this, like it's not like you. You, you you know you you had you did a crime or something like that. It just re- you ate more food than probably needed. That's all it is. And then now we can work on strategies to help you work through that. I guess the psychological aspect and also you know the physical aspect and help you uh, get back on track. What I was gonna yeah. say is uh, what's really really impressive to me. Like last obviously you know um, Jack did his prep and his post comp is probably one of the most consistent and compliant uh especially for first time competitor i'm i'm pretty sure the post come after the first time he had it was just a homemade pizza right in a block <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah his um his his uh consistent girlfriend standing right next to him too <laughs> yeah because i think that's so important because um like you because i think the biggest difference is because you, you you guys had a goal straight away you know you guys had a goal to improve your physique you guys had a goal to you know, compete again in a in a in a couple of years time or whatever. Um, well, now it's not long to go for you, but you know, obviously another year or so to go for Jack. Um, but I, I guess setting that goal, uh, it's a huge part, right? So, so I think most people coming into combat towards the back end of prep, you can probably start like, you know, setting a new goal for post comp. You can probably start having a plan, strategies, and goals set from the back end of prep so that way after the prep they can start just basically following that and they have something to work towards to whether it be you know performance goals training goals or if you want to do something completely different or um or even you know it doesn't have to be anything training or bodybuilding related it could be like life goals or whatever you know travel plans and things like that and all these things just have something that you can straight away work towards to uh and then obviously then you can work around all the strategies around uh, i guess your nutrition and training accordingly uh based on your lifestyle and i guess where your mindset is and things like that but like obviously not everything's gonna go perfect and i don't think there's one way to walk through this process but like you said the most important thing is understand that this is a completely normal process and even if you don't have the most ideal post-con face it's okay um it's just an experience uh, but hopefully, you know, by understanding this and by us opening up this conversation, people can uh, learn a couple of things and apply it to themselves next time so they can have an easier time going through that. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, having a plan after the plan and just taking everything as a learning experience. And even though this this is awful because it, it definitely happened to Jack and I in the past, you know, we've both been through our own personal journeys with poor relationships with food and binge and restrict cycles. But I don't know if I should use the word luckily, but it did happen many, many years before we actually decided to compete and actually overcoming that previously. I think that's what actually helped us have a smoother exit out of our prep. Would you agree? Yeah, I think also having, I agree with Alan in the sense that having those goals really helped a lot. And 
having that's where the importance of a good coach or your partner and your family and friends and network um, come in a lot as well and they they should support you and like I guess it is always this might be a controversial point but always the I know some families might be oh it's, you can relax now go out to eat which is great but also you don't you want to do that to an extent like you, of course mm. you want to enjoy time with friends and family but it can be so that they might take away your um, your personal restrictions on how much you should be eating and then you say oh okay and then you end up having six pizzas instead of one or something like that yeah so so alan now that you know you're a week and a half out from your the end of your competition season tell us how have you taken the approach to your post comp period yeah so for myself um pretty much like for the uh, i just pretty much talk about where i am now so i'm about three kilos above my stage weight now the reason for that is i have a photo shoot uh this friday and also, I'm filming some content for um, some of the stuff for Flex Success with the posing and stuff. So I'm trying to stay relatively in shape. Um, but last week, I definitely uh, gave myself some flexibility because I've basically been away for, for six weeks uh, and catching up with friends and stuff. So what I did was last week, I didn't actually track my food. But what I did was I'll eat my usual diet foods. So the first thing I did was uh, I, think it's, I think it's a good um, tool and good, like, Tips that other people can do is uh, when when you go for food shopping post comp, try to shop for the same food sources that you use before the comp. So that way you create a food environment at home that is similar to what you had pre comp. Obviously, you can you know have some treats, you know some ice cream, chocolates, or whatever that you feel like you know having, but you don't need like too many. Um, so you still you know stock up vegetables, fruits, and lean protein and things like that. So that way. Majority of my day, for example, last week, majority of my day will be similar foods, uh, maybe in a slightly bigger quantity. But then, usually, you know, I will have like lunch plans with friends or dinner plans with friends and things like that. Uh, then I'll just go and enjoy myself. Um, but the biggest thing is, let's say I had a couple of burgers, but I, I didn't need to have like four or five burgers and then donuts after or things like that. I think as long as you don't binge, if you can control yourself, let's say if I, I know that I have a I'm going to go out to have ribs tonight. I know it's going to be quite high in fat, and I'll just make sure the rest of the day I keep it relatively low fat and just make sure I hit my vegetable targets, my protein targets, and the rest of it. Then I know even though my calorie intake might, might be over than what I should have been, but at least it won't be over by too much. Uh, and that's kind of how I took it last week, and I kind of planned that because I knew I would have like pretty much every day dinner or lunch plans with friends and things like that but now this week i kind of just scale everything back start tracking again to get ready for the photo shoot um so kind of bring my carries back down to about maintenance of what i based on my current body weight which is roughly 83 kilos this morning then i just roughly 2500 calories every day uh, but i won't use any refeeds and stuff but then from next week pretty much the numbers will start going up and then start pushing the training again so last week training was a bit of a dealer week of training and now i can start pushing the intensity and volume back up um so everything is pretty planned and then uh, i guess still give myself some flexibility here and there um but the main thing is definitely like i said as long as you don't binge post comp i think you will be pretty good but like you will just have to be okay with that the fact that you won't look as lean as you were on stage because that i can definitely see the difference in that three kilos you know what i mean so 
even though it's only three kilos, and yeah, which I think is pretty healthy as well compared to like, because uh, I guess health is the number one thing, right? Post comp is you do have to, because obviously, you know, being that lean, there is some negative, uh, I guess, adaptation that happened in the process. Um, so we do want to put some body fat back on, increase the energy availability. So, you know, bring that, you know, I guess hormones out of things back up and, um, and also you can feel a little bit more energy and stuff as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess you had the short term goal as well of having the photo shoot and the, um, posing stuff for flex and Thanks. yeah, which undoubtedly would have helped you. Not that I think you would have needed that external help but i think it does still help someone of your experience but mm. also you have the um the show next year as well that will i guess always be in your sights and something that you can aim towards too yeah, yeah exactly so i'm pretty sure it's like 44 weeks away from the uh first potential show i think so from yes this monday so i pretty much you know already planned everything out as fast like you know where i should be and plan everything out from there so like if you think about it it's actually you know pretty it goes by pretty quick. Mm. So, you know, it's, I don't, if my goal is to be the, a better bodybuilder and bodybuilding is the goal and obviously now being a pro and stuff, I guess, you know, I just have to, not that I have to, but I want to make sure that I can be the best I can be in, in doing this. So everything, every strategy that I implement, I work it backwards. It's exactly so that way. I can set myself up in the most optimal position to achieve that particular goal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I, uh, yeah, you told me that a while ago now, the value of working backwards and planning things out and like the, when you actually look at muscle gain and training blocks and the extent of dieting, it really isn't that much time for each of them. So you really got to make the most and like getting into that binge restrict cycle post comp, it really doesn't do mm. you any favors from that perspective as well. It's sort of, it just prolongs everything. Yeah. Like for you now, right, you want your, uh, well, I, I guess let's use TRR, for example. Last May, you competed. Uh, last year, sorry, May. And now it's like, what, you're 16 weeks out and in the process, 18 months? Is it? Was that 18 yeah. months? Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. And it absolutely also flew. Quick, That's yeah. why when you mentioned, <clears throat> you know, 44 weeks, Alan, and considering you'll probably start your prep like 25 weeks out around that yeah. mark, geez, Louise, that's less than 20 weeks. Like that's, that's going to fly, you know? Yeah. So um, when you're in that headspace, especially now, you know, as a professional athlete, you know, and you've been doing this quite a few years, you do realize that shiz, I can't waste a week. I can't waste a day. Like if I really want this. Yeah, exactly. And if you work it off, like say, even, you know, you're taking that 18 months, for example, right? If you work it backwards, let's say each training block, you probably do what, eight to 12 weeks, you know, for most mm. people. Um, you, you, you're probably looking at what four to five solid training blocks pr provided everything goes perfect you know given some you know maybe some holidays in between that or some deals here and there but you can mm -hmm. probably only have like you know three to four solid training blocks for you to make their progress then the prep starts so it's really not that long if you think about it you know mm -hmm. as no. far as how much you want to take it so that also goes back to the point that you so for a lot of people you probably don't need to put on too much weight or too much body fat than necessary, you know, especially if you're not making those progress with your training, then really you're just putting out extra body fat, excess body fat that you need to take off later on, which is definitely something that I'm guilty of in the past um, through obviously, you know, not, not the most optimal approach uh, with my post comp and things like that. 
uh, but yeah, like obviously, you know, like I say, it's all experience and you learn to do better. Um, and obviously now coaching clients and stuff, um, that definitely did give me a perspective to, you know, keep myself accountable as well. So I kind of like walk to walk kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of these things, you know, they, they're just, we can't say it enough that they're learning experiences. And sometimes with some things, you know, people can warn you about it, like, hey, you're going to feel like this, or hey, this might happen. And you, you can fully appreciate that, but you never fully understand until you actually go through it yourself. Like people can tell you over and over again, hey, you know, post comp period, it's going to be a little bit tough, you know, and you're like, all right, okay. But once you're in it, you're like, oh shit, they were right. And now I understand. Yeah. And and I think we had this conversation when we were nationals as well. It's like, I, and this is my opinion as well. Like I truly believe that to be a successful comp prep coach, uh, I think it's very valuable that you actually have gone through the process yourself mm-hmm. because like you said, you know, um, to f- actually experience those physiological and psychological changes, pre-comp, post-comp and during comp prep, um, it will give you a lot of perspective because it's not something that like you can explain to someone unless you actually gone through it yourself. And then you will, like, for example, a lot of the strategies that implement, like I spoke about this in the last podcast, so a lot of strategies implement, like, you know, it's purely based on, on like, how I feel in that particular time and uh, where my mental space is, where um, the client's mental space will be. So I implement a sp- specific strategy in certain way that I feel will help them break through that and be a little bit more optimal or even just simply increase adherence uh, as, a, uh, as opposed to, not having gone through that and then just, I guess, purely based on theory, I, I really do think there is a difference there. And I, I'm sure you guys can be a, a, a test to that as well, having gone through the process yourself there. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And there is a big difference between doing what's most optimal um, versus what the client is going to adhere to. You need to find like a, a optimum between the two. A compromise. Compromise, yeah, <laughs> that's the word. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that obviously comes with experience and also, and that's the art of coaching, right? So you can know all the theories in the world, but if you can't implement it to the client or how to communicate it, then, you know, it's not going to work. So. Mm-hmm. And um, Alan, I, I know this might now be a little bit off topic in terms mm-hmm. of post-comp, but I do have a question for you because yeah. I'm very interested in hearing about what you have to say, because I remember when we were down in Sydney for nationals, you know, you were talking about different peaking methods and, you mm. know, peaking methods you had used in the past. And, you know, you've all often, just like Jack and I, we've usually been a advocate for a back load and you never mm. really understood you, uh, the purpose of a front load, right? So yep. can you touch a little bit on that, on your experiences with front loading? Yeah, so just like you guys, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of obviously minimizing variables and make things as less stressful as possible. So obviously the way I, and I, I, you, you guys will be the same as well, set up the comp prep where we have like low and high days, regular refeeds and things like that, which makes the peak week so much easier. And usually, you know, it's so predictable and you can measure everything, you know, you can pretty much elicit the exact response that you want. Now this time, and that's my usual approach for clients, especially first time competing, you really can't go wrong with that, just basing off what you do with the refeeds, regulating water, regulate your, regulating your electrolytes, control your food sources and things like that. So that's all, you know, 
simple and straightforward and you look pretty damn good. Um, now, because I was doing like five comps in that space of six weeks, um, so in between comp back to back to back, I just found that, you know, I tend to struggle to fill back up if I do too many of those repeat, uh, sorry, deplete and replete type of things. So I had a chat to obviously Dean uh, from our team. So that's, that's someone that I always bounce idea off. And he's a huge fan. Um, and I guess this is the point of like, you know, we'll have different ways of doing things. I, he's a few, huge fan of, I guess, a front-loading approach where obviously you're low your carbohydrate at the start of the week or let's say, or even for like 10 days or something like that, then you taper downwards uh, and then do like a small backup like a day before comp based on how everything went. Um, so I experiment, experiment that uh, with, so the front, pro, uh, front low approach for the ICN Nationals. So I do back low for the first two shows, then I had a week in between. And because I needed to get, I guess, leaner um, for that particular comp, because as I said, I was probably behind in where I should have been uh, for the first couple of shows. So I took advantage of that week in between um, as opposed to do implement the usual refeed. I just kept driving the my low days. So as opposed, so if you look at it across the two weeks, as opposed to like, you know, four low, three high, four low, three high again, I just did it six low days and I had a three really high days from like 10, I think it was eight days out. So I had a three really high days of like 150% of uh, carbohydrate intake above what my usual rate was. So essentially the idea is if you think of it like a filling a uh, fill, fill tank, oh, I guess when you have a fill tank, right? So I guess the whole idea of a front load approach is that you kind of purposely overfill. So you, you overfill glycogen at the start of the week and then you have a couple of days to taper down, I guess to um, to bring the, the fill level back down or the glycogen level back down um, just to tighten up. Then you can do like a small fill based on how you look by then. Um, so I think it's a, it is a pretty safe method if you have something to work off. And the only thing is I would say you just have to be a little bit more experienced with how I guess the amount of carbohydrate that you load and also um, if the day before the comp after you've done like the load and also the deplete, you really have to kind of make the judgment call on okay, how much you need to push the day before, uh, whether it could be too flat or things like that. But I think, you know, more, most people won't have that issue. Like, if anything, most people can probably go with the tighter look anyway. So that's the reason why I did that approach uh, for the ICN Nationals, because I, want, I, I thought bringing a tighter physique was the right, uh, was a better call for me because I needed to be leaner after obviously being slightly behind. And that's what we did. And I actually really liked it. And, you know, um, I had no, and I think one biggest difference in inmates because the show was like really late. So we didn't get on stage at five o'clock. So I still had some time to, you know, get some carbs in throughout the day as well. And obviously there was no problem in pumping, uh, getting a pump and things like that. Cause obviously, you know, we didn't cut water, cut sodium or anything like that. So, um, yeah, like I was, like, I'm, I was still implement back low for most people. Uh, maybe in some cases, 
front row if it's like a back-to-back shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for explaining that. And, you know, because initially, like, and maybe Jack is the same, mm-hmm. when, when you first hear about the front load approach, you're like, why would you do that? You know, why would mm. you go up and then you go down yeah. and then you go up again? Like, what, <laughs> what's the point? But uh, you actually explaining it has really opened my eyes to that approach. And, you know, who knows, it might even be something that I consider implementing next year when I compete, because I will have those back to back comps, you know, spread between like two to three weeks between one another. And just like you said, you know, you do feel fill up your fuel tank and then you let it come back down a bit, but there's still a little bit in there so that, you know, you don't just look completely depleted. So I think it's actually really, really smart in that case. Yeah, I do too. And it's just a lot more rather than risking over overfilling or spilling Mm. over from a backload, it allows you to tailor it a little bit more um, on a day-to-day basis. Mm. I was going to say it would actually be a really good approach for, I guess, I would say bikini or fitness category uh, for for girls. I think you know, like say you know, by two weeks out, you pretty much well, they, because then you're looking at like pretty much starting your peak from two weeks out, right? If you think about it, so you probably have a few low days of a little bit of a deplete, or even just the usual low days, and then they can start having a little bit more carbs from you know, say the shows on Saturday. You can start having a little bit more carbs from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right? So I guess bring the carbs up a little bit. Um, you probably bring the stress down as well. You feel a little bit better, uh, eating more carbs. Who doesn't like that? Uh, stress goes down. You're probably going to even look better and better um, as you go. And then tighten back down a little bit and just bring like a tighter physique to the stage. Uh, and also, minim- you know, be a lot less stressful for girls, I think, to know that, you know, oh, I don't want to spill over or things like that. Uh, that, that. That I actually think would be a very good approach for, I guess, the bikini fitness and I guess that type of categories where you can probably, um, I mean, because naturally you don't need to be as lean as some of the other categories. Mm-hmm. Um, you, have, you don't need to push fullness like crazy either compared to exactly. like bodybuilding. Yeah, you'll, you'll get marked down for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so you probably won't benefit too much from like a back low approach anyway. So like a front low approach uh, with the goal to minimize stress, it's probably a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah, and I love this because, you know, it's just a prime example of us staying open-minded, you know, and um, still open-minded to new ideas and willing to try different things, right? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And then that, that's exactly what it's about, you know, so um, yeah. getting different opinions, ideas, and then see how, how, how does that suit you. Like, uh, obviously, you know, as, as long as you can, you know, actually understand how things work and understand the theories and implement it based on the individual, I think, yeah, it's that's exactly what coaching should be yeah yeah so alan we are coming up on almost an hour now for the podcast we just want to be respectful of your time but uh you know let us know like is there anything we we know that you're competing next year you know 44 weeks away but uh you know for the rest of this year is there anything exciting coming up with you or the team at flex success i hear there's a might be a new ebook on the way (laughs) Yes, there's a new ebook coming out, and you guys, uh, the special guest proofreading, uh, <laughs> you know, some feedbacks on those ebooks. Uh, it's called Life After Dieting. Um, so it's it's targeted for gym pop. Obviously, you know, uh, as you know, people go through this yo-yo dieting phase. Um, but I actually think it's a actually a pretty valuable tool for a lot of people, just on the post-com phase as well. It's a lot of there's a lot of tools and a lot of uh, information on there. They can definitely 
um, help people walking through this, uh, walking out of this postcon phase and giving something to they they can implement. So it's not just for gem pop, um, but yeah. So it's a book that we're super excited to bring out to the public, and I think it'll be out soon. And obviously, you know, I would love the feedback from you guys. Uh, and yeah, just to put out those information out there, like I said, open up a conversation just on the things that people, you know, I guess uh, the things that you don't see a lot of in the fitness industry because it's not pretty, right? You know, uh, it's not like it's not sexy, right? Balance and this kind of stuff. It's not sexy. Uh, but I think it's important. It will help a lot of people. Yeah, and no also, doubt. It's um, it's definitely very, very well written. And you guys have got a lot of fantastic concepts in there. And also uh, with the complex side of things. So I've got this, um, the posing stuff, posing content with the videos and everything which I'm filming this week. Uh, we've, we, already, we already got an ebook on that. Uh, but you guys know I, I talk about posing all the time. So hopefully it's something that we can bring out um, to the public as well or even just be available for all the clients. Outside of that, um, pretty much just getting ready for season eight. You know, it's coming up. Like, you know, we 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 gonna all be in Mar- uh, at Arnold's together in March. So Hurrah! I'm sure- this is gonna be so much. I can't wait to have your guys' support there. Honestly, it's gonna be so much fun. Just like, like we were at nationals. You know, know. like everyone it's in the living fun. room, like critiquing each other on their posing. It's it's gonna be the best atmosphere. It's gonna be so much fun. That's the best part, right? And then, you know, I guess. Next time we'll be interviewing you. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, interviewing uh, me on my own podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what. That's actually what we should do. That'd be so cool. Co-host um, down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. So uh, yeah, Arnold's coming up. Uh, excited. So um, I don't personally have a clients competing there. Obviously, I'm there to support you guys. But I know Dean has a huge uh, team going in. So I obviously, from on behalf of Flex, uh, we'll have clients there. Uh, and I've got a few guys doing the ICN shows in May uh, and a girl as well. So, yeah, and then pretty much season B, we'll have a huge team. So, yeah, 44 weeks away. So, um, pretty much start getting getting to work towards it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me, I think, for now. Fantastic. Well, it's been a damn good year now that it's, you know, almost closing in on the end of 2019. It's been a, it's been a really great year for everyone, I think. Oh, like, like I said, you know, 50 episode for you guys and uh yeah you guys should be very proud and i'm i'm so privileged to be a part of this and yeah it's gonna be uh, yeah next year it's gonna be even better so yeah love Thank it you, alan <laughs> worries all right so guys i guess that wraps up our 50th episode uh if you enjoyed it please feel free to take a screenshot post it to your instagram stories tag alan tag jack tag myself tag the bodybuilding dietitians Tell your family and friends about it, and we'll catch you in the next episode. See you guys. Thank you so much, guys.